Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Hello. Is this Nancy Taylor? This is Nancy Taylor. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Just doing first day of school stuff. Oh my gosh, is today really your first day? Well, we've had auditions today, and I had a meeting with the kids, and they all signed up for lessons. I have so many freshmen. It's really cute. It's cute. (laughs) They're all all like pimply-faced and skinny. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, they were so young. It was funny. How many years have you been doing this? Um, at this school, this is my 11th year. Oh, my goodness. But I've been doing teaching for a while. I yeah. guess since 98, so yeah. Oh, my goodness. Gosh, 20 years. So uh, how did the auditions go? Um, pretty good. They We just had them play a few excerpts. They played Aida. They played a little thing from, and then two excerpts from a Perschetti thing. Can you play soft? Can you play loud? Can you play high? Can you play without screwing up? So, and then, you know, you hear all you need to hear within 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So they went good. Yeah. I wonder how many were thinking, oh my gosh, I should have practiced uh, this summer, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. Except the ones who did drum corps, they're thinking, I should be playing this louder. Yeah, right. <laughs> have right. you got have you got some students that uh, that march core? This summer actually there's just one and he marched crown. Um so it was a good one, but I've had I've gone through phases where kind of one one year I had three, mm-hmm. one year I had two, so they really mm-hmm. some of them really like it. I'm like, please don't do that. I'm not a big fan. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, you know, I had two Hey, you know what? Before we get too far into it, uh, huh. that was kind of a casual uh, greeting. Uh, let me do a, f- uh, a kind of a semi-official. Hey, Studio okay. HFL would like to welcome Nancy Taylor to the podcast. Hi, Nancy. Hi there. How you doing, Larry? And welcome. I'm great. Uh, you know, it's it's great that we're going to get to redo this. Um, uh, we met at uh, the Miami ITG. And uh, we both, I think, had a great time at that conference. There was so much 
uh, fun to be had there with uh, sessions and concert, uh, concerts, recitals. Uh, just the general hang was really cool. And uh, I agree. And uh, the interview that you and I did there was terrific, except mm-hmm. <laughs> Jose Sabaja's <laughs> salsa band was doing a sound check. Yeah. And, uh-huh. you know, I thought for sure I was going to be able to edit um, some of that out. And, oh, my gosh, I, I, I couldn't. I, there's yeah. there's no way to duck uh, all that oh. stuff. And, you know, at some point I might be able to release some of that. But uh, we're going to go back and try to uh, cover some of that same material again today. Um, try and relive that moment. Re- well, you know, we're never going to capture that same magic. Imagine yeah. <laughs> the exciting, the exciting, motivating yeah. music. Yeah. It just made it all so much more fun. Yeah. Well, some of that, good good heavens, I mean, some of that was just deafening. Remember how loud that was? I know. Yeah. Like, come on, Jose. Yeah. No. That was, they were so good. Oh, my gosh. It, well, you know, it wasn't like it was uh, It was loud and obnoxious. It was just loud and right. it was energizing. It was sure. just great. Mm-hmm. So back to your question about drum corps. You know, I actually came up through the drum corps ranks myself. I did a group called Star of Indiana back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. And yeah. back when they were back in the day where they had two valves. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, the, the pedagogy was not great back in those days. And as I started teaching myself... Uh, and having students go to drum corps, I was a little bit hesitant about sending students off, thinking, you know, this is not the best experience. Um, yeah. Now, pedagogy has gotten better, but it's still that same experience of students doing the same thing uh, all summer long, you know, right. not really expanding uh, their horizons, as it were. Um, uh-huh. But the teaching is better. They are on B flat chromatic instruments. Uh, so mm-hmm. that at least is better. And this year I had two students. Uh, I had one in Cavaliers and one in River City. And so that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, so They have such a great time. And oh they've got gosh. the horn on their face. Yes. And if they are, if they follow our recommendation and they'll actually play long tones every day and play lips, you know, play some right. alone time every day. And playing soft, then I, then they'll come out okay. They'll come out okay. You know, they yeah. they have such a good time doing it. Um, but I've had some come back and not be able to play anything less than a forte. And <laughs> you know, it, I, I've had some coming back. You know, with the sound so bright, you can read by it. So yeah, sometimes it's. But but they were not playing in these real high level chords. So if someone's going to go away and play in a good core that right. has a good brass tech, um, then, then okay. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they have to be very careful and mindful that they are mm-hmm. still actually a musician mm-hmm. and that they have to play music and play softly and, and all the things we try and teach them. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and you know, it's such a narrow palette too. I think that's one of my concerns, uh, and yeah. not just the drum corps thing, you know, I, I'm teaching here in Indianapolis and of course, this is kind of the hotbed of of marching bands with Carmel and Avon and 
the Lawrence schools. These are some of the big bands of America schools. And, uh, and you know, that's, and I'm not uh, criticizing them at all. What I'm, what I'm getting at is there's kind of a a marching band mentality of, you know, there's one way to articulate, there's one way to breathe, Uh one way to phrase. And unfortunately, right. And unfortunately when the students come out of those programs, that's kind of because they're so successful, that's how they think it's done. And right. it's really difficult to uh, get them to shift gears uh, mm-hmm. from that. And that's, I mm-hmm. think, the real challenge. And I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's fair necessarily to those students who really want to go into music um, Boy, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to throw myself yeah. under the bus with some of the, some of my band director <laughs> friends out there. I may have to back up and on this. Well, but. It's, it's, you know, I, I understand where you're going with this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have some you the same way. It's, you know, high school marching band is highly competitive and, and administrators like for the schools to win. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, and sometimes, you know, it becomes, it becomes a, a really good team sport oh, and yeah. the music teaching. It sort of takes a a back seat to that, and so that's where we come in, yeah. uh, you know, to teach them uh, how to be more aware of the musical side of things, yeah, and be be more aware of yes, there's you know, you don't have to have your elbows out, or your shoulders <laughs> up <laughs> to right. to play trumpet all the time. You know, that it's it doesn't help us. I understand what, what you're saying. It doesn't help us, but uh, but most of it can be fixed, and if and if they don't want to fix it, then they go get a degree in something where they'll mm-hmm. actually make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. so you know, I'm I'm curious uh, with your time in the Marine Band, um, mm-hmm. how stringent were they with uh, posture and horn position and that sort of thing? Um, not very much at all. I mean, I don't know. I I always had good good posture but in the marine band it wasn't like in the marine drum and bugle corps the group called the common Tone. Mm-hmm. they are more they they are strictly a, a marching unit 99 mm-hmm. percent of their jobs are marching so marching form is is really important posture horn angle is super important for those guys mm-hmm. and they do they do the, the kick step in in their slow marches where they kick the kick the foot out and mm-hmm. lock the knee, and so you know everybody everybody gets out you know mm-hmm. they all get some disability pay when they leave because their knees are blown out oh, from wow. doing that. <laughs> um, but in the president's own, where probably fifty percent of the job is marching, mm-hmm. it's it's not the same kind of marching. We just sure. stand there with the horn. Yeah, but it's but it's physically demanding to be sure. Very yeah. physically demanding. Yeah. What years were you in there? I was in the Marine Band, the President's Zone, 90 to 98. So I finished grad school. I worked for a printer in uh, Bloomington, Indiana for a year while I took auditions, and then I, I won the Marine Band job. Uh, how many uh, auditions, or rather, uh, how many rounds were involved in that audition? In that audition... I think there were 150 people turned out. I think it was 150. And we went through four rounds. And by the 
fourth round, it was me and Rick Lehman, and they took both of us. So, and and back in in back in that day, um, the whole audition was sight reading. The entire audition was sight reading. Oh my gosh, are yeah. you kidding? Now it's like a huge mm-hmm. packet of uh, material that has to be prepared, right? Yeah, and and they even tell you what the first round and the second round is, which is interesting. But back when when I auditioned, um, you could I think we started with a Charlie A. Yeah, in fact, I played Charlie number six. And then they wanted a solo, so I played some of Tomasi. And then the rest of it was sight reading. And and years later, somebody, Carl Rowe, put a piece of music in front of me. And I looked at it and said, what the heck is this? He said, you played this on your audition. You sight read it. You killed it. So I'm like, huh, glad I did that. But I had practiced, you know, I did grad school at an Indiana University. And I went through their library and pulled the first trumpet part on every piece, on, you know, 150 pieces in their library and just practiced sight reading. And, yeah, so practicing sight reading actually works. You get, your mind gets a lot quicker at reading that. So I could sight read things then, but I probably can't now, but, yeah. That's that's impressive. Uh, Were all four of those rounds on the same day? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Holy cow! Your chops must have been uh, must have been yeah. toast by the end of that. I don't know. Probably. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> well, and okay. Yeah. So, and there was some significance, of course, to that audition too, because that uh, you were the first uh, female to be in the trumpet section for the president's. Yeah. Yeah. They had hired. Uh, well, the very first woman to get in the band uh, to be admitted into the band was in 1977. And she was a horn player, um, and there had been horn players in the in the uh, women horn players in the section um, for years since then. But I was the first of the yeah trumpet, trombone, tuba. They still don't have trombone or tuba uh, women, but yeah, I was the first. That's a long way of saying you are correct, Larry. I was the first woman to play trumpet in the Marine Band. That's great, though. Yes. Yeah. And now I think yeah there yeah. have been. A few to follow. Yeah, so that's great. So uh, it only took them 198 years. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you I, know, is it okay to say better late than never? Well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. They I don't. Just waiting for the right one. I yeah, guess. right. I okay. Yeah, there you go. That's I a great way know. to put that too, right? Yeah. 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 So, yep. uh, a tuba player friend of mine, uh, Paul Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, just got out of the Marine Band a few years ago. And, of course, his brother, Mike, yeah. is still in the group. And I think uh, you may have served with him. I didn't. Mike is a young one. Oh, you didn't? I did not. Oh, okay. No, I've, okay. Been, I've been out of the band 20 years. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, you know what? There's yeah. a, there's going to be an edit point uh, in that part of this uh, podcast. We're going to excerpt that. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I was hoping there would be a little uh, uh, common ground there, but that's fine. So, yeah. Um, when I was in the band, um, John Hagstrom was in the band, and Tata, uh, Kurt Dupuis, yeah. Johnny Barchimeno. Yeah. yeah those guys. Um, was Tom Hooten at no. that point? Tom and Jen weren't, weren't in the band yeah. at that point. Yeah. But, I, you know, I've since become good friends with, with both of them, but especially with Jen. And she said so many times when she was in the band, people would say, oh, 
if you and Nancy were in the band at the same time, it would be nothing but trouble. <laughs> and I understand because when I when I met Jen, we were fast friends, and I thought, oh, the trouble we could get into. But she she's a lot of fun and a fabulous player. So yeah, I enjoy them a lot. Well, it's just been it's been very cool to see um, people who have have decided to not stay in the band forever. See where their life takes them. You know, half of the Chicago Symphony trumpet section is marine band, and you know, and the LA Philharmonic is marine band. Strong just joined them, and when Ben is playing in the section, it's more than half. So Tom Hoot and Jeff and and Jim, and then Chris Smith, Christian is in San Francisco or San Diego. I'm sorry, you might want to edit that, but it's been exciting to 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 see um, to see people who've stayed in the band and people who've left the band. Just how their career develops, and the level of musicianship is so high in that group. But it's fun to see what what happens with the people yeah. involved with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's uh, interesting because you know it's become so competitive to get into any of the service bands these days. And mm-hmm. those, all of those jobs have become so coveted, uh, not just yes. the premier bands, but I think any of the service bands and I, oh my goodness, you know, it's like you look across any of those groups and it's, you've got doctorates, um, all across the board there and oh, such a yeah. high level of talent. And it's like, there's no way all those people are going to stay in those positions, um, uh-huh. you know, for their entire career. Um, yeah. you know, and I, and I kind of wonder, you know, if the service, well, I, you know, they're not going to say, no, you can't do this. You're not going to use the service as a stepping stone. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, I, I can't think, I wouldn't think they would do that, but. Well, there's uh, no way of them to know. No, there they, is no way they to know. They don't know who's going to yeah. stay for 30. And, right. Yeah. And they don't let everyone stay for 30 anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not a given, but. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was I was in the Air Force uh, back in the late '80s, early '90s, uh, when they started making changes. Um, you know, there were a lot of people who would kind of stagnate, and you know, might be an E4, an E5 at 20 or 30 years, and they started mm-hmm. to make changes uh, so that you had to get, uh, you had to make progress, time and grade, time and service. Uh, or they would start to push people out. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, of course that hasn't happened for a long time. You know, you have to, you have to make that kind of progress. Um, uh, and I don't know why I brought that up. Um, but I will say, I'll throw this out there. Uh, my oldest son, um, has been in the uh, army national guard now that this is, this is free for everybody. It's free for you too. He's, uh, he's been in for six years. He just made E6. You know, it's like wow. that's uh, you know he's about as fast track as you can get. Uh, the kids, yeah, the kids fantastic. working working pretty hard. So I'm proud of him, obviously. So, is he uh, doing the music thing? No, he's uh, he's wow. uh, an FO, which is you know like one of the highest turnover uh, positions. He's you know he radios back uh, for to the to the guns and tells them where to fire. Um, oh, okay. So. Um, yeah, so I, you know, yeah. uh, I I don't like that it's a high turnover turnover position, you know. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I'm proud of what he does. Um, he's actually trying to get. Uh, he wants to become an A10 pilot, 
And what wow. this has to do with trumpet uh, is nothing other than all of a sudden we're talking about my kid because well, I'm proud of him. You know, well, that's a good subject. Kids are always a good subject. Yeah. And 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 I love it when people are in the service. Yeah. I I consider my years in the service to be very valuable. To be in service to my country is very valuable. Yes, I was in the Marine Band, and musically speaking, it's a fabulous opportunity. Absolutely. But in addition to that, I got to serve my country to be in the military, which I think is a very valuable thing for all of us to do. And, uh, and you know, you mentioned the, the smaller bands, not just the new bands, but all the other bands being, you know, the, the level of musician in these bands is higher. Here at, at Fort Bliss, at our Army base, um, there's a guy who's got a doctorate from CCM, another one from Curtis Institute. We've got New England Conservatory people in these bands. You know, and then and then there's a kid who just graduated high school in San Antonio, so he's in the band too. But the the level of musicianship in those bands is so high. And and I understand why. The benefits are great. Um, um my friend Brandon just graduated from Peabody with a doctorate and he is in a Navy band. He's in Germany right now. He's going to Italy. He's going all over. And I think it's a pretty cool way to live. Yeah, well, and so, job security, I, right? I mean, it's... Uh, the job security yeah. is great. Musically speaking, those those jobs are not as fun. Definitely not. You have to make your own moments. But you can still go back to school and you can still find people to play with and while you're having good benefits, healthcare, traveling, yeah. meeting people. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, um, my dad was career Air Force. Um, uh-huh. And that's, uh, you know, I grew, that's how I grew up with uh, this idea of, well, I'm, I'm going to be in the service. You know, that's kind of what you do. Uh-huh. And uh, that's, that's what I did. So I, I did my little bit of enlistment there. And, and uh, of course, that's where my oldest son got his uh, sense of patriotism and he's serving now. Yeah. And, you know, my dad told me, uh, I think one of the most important things was um, sign up for that GI Bill. And, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I remember uh, going to basic training and when we were handed that paperwork, it was a hundred dollars a month to be deducted. And there were some of those, uh-huh. some of those young kids who were like a hundred bucks a month. I'm not giving that up. And I'm thinking, you dummy, right. you dummy, you don't have any idea what you're giving yeah. up. And I think, you right. know, so for anybody out there who's thinking about going into the service and that GI Bill, mm-hmm. you you sign up for it because it pays off in huge yeah. dividends uh, on the back end of things. So, because that ended up paying for my bachelor's degree uh, when mm-hmm. I got out and, and went back to school. So, yeah. Oh, it's, and it'll buy your it'll buy your book. It'll pay your rent. Some of some of the benefits are really great, and some of the services, like I, I think the Navy has uh, tuition forgiveness for when you sign up. So it's always worth looking into the different branches and asking what kind of tuition forgiveness they have. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, we did a, a concert, a little regional orchestra I played with the other night, and we did uh, Armed Forces Salute, and I stood up. And my wife, yeah. she's playing there, too. She's like, you know, I always love it when you stand up and 
It's like, you know, I've been out for a long time, but I'm still going to stand up. You know, I still have oh, that. Oh, I always stand up. Yeah. So that was, you know, it's, it, yeah. I'll, I'll, as long as I can, I'll stand up. You know, it's like. Uh, uh-huh. I'm with you. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to shift gears here a little bit. You just, uh-huh. uh, you just started, uh, you're getting ready to start school. You did auditions today, but you just got mm-hmm. back from overseas. You were judging. Um, oh my goodness. I'm not even going to try to pronounce uh, you were in Korea, though, right? No, I was in Tianjin, China. Oh, that's right. I was in, yeah. I was oh, in I Beodi. confused you with Rex. That Rex was in Korea. That's a, Rex was in. That's Rex right. Rex did the big competition, with, and he was his dance was always over there. Yeah. Yeah. In 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 Korea, I was in. Well, I'm still I yeah. still couldn't pronounce whatever it was <laughs> wherever you were. I know, right? I yeah. was in Tianjin, yeah. China. Uh, at the Jinbao uh, Trumpet Week. Jinbao is an instrument company like Hansel where they make launch instruments. And all summer they have a festival. Um, and this, the week I was there was the Trumpet Festival. And so there were there were a lot of kids there. The, the youngest were like eight, ten years old, and then all the way through college. And um, and for all of them there was a competition. So I did a bunch of teaching of little kids, and then all of us who came from the United States and Canada uh, judged uh, the adult competition, which is the Shane's Concerto. So that was interesting. It's always a trip to go over to Japan. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how was the quality of what you heard? From what I understand, it was getting better. Um this was the second time I've been to Japan in, in, in a year. There were several people, like Leonard Candelaria was there, and he'd been to Japan several times over the last 15 years. And he said that the quality of the musician is getting better and better, um, which is great. The kids that I worked with were working on carnival events and, you know, at 10 years old, playing the fourth variation. They're, they're doing, doing some good things. So, so the quality is definitely getting better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with the language barrier, how are you teaching? How are you working with with those young students? We always had a translator. Um, but then, you know, so much of trumpet playing is, is uh, nonverbal. You can, you can teach nonverbally, really, you know, with pointing at them and saying no, pointing at me and saying yes, and then I play. And then they, and then I say, okay, now you play. And I learned to say things like show, show, like play louder, take a big breath. And then I learned to say, say chung how, which means very good. And, um, you, you pick up just a few, just a few words, but there was always a translator. So it was pretty, um, laborious. It, it, it got tiring too. It's pretty exhausting to say something and then have a translator say it and then the kid process. And then the kid plays it, and I say, things take a long time. So I learned to just do it more verbally a lot. And so, had you done this before? Um, back in October, I went to the National Conservatory of Music in Beijing um, because I, I had met Zhonghui Dai, Professor Dai. I had met him at, um, at an ITG conference. I did a one 
and he came up to me after my 7.30 warm-up class and said, hey, nice to meet you. Maybe you can come to China sometime. And I thought, yeah, right, okay. Thanks, guy, sure, I'll go to China. And But then a couple of weeks later, um, you know, I had taken a group to that ITG conference, and I said to that group, relationships are important. Every person that you have a conversation with, you need to get their information and send them a thank you note. Thank you for your time. Here's what I learned from you. Here's some questions I have. Just keep that relationship open. And so, you know, a couple of weeks later, I looked at this piece of paper from First Master Die and thought, well, I should do the same thing. And I wrote him an email that, hey, thanks for our conversation. Thank you for inviting me to China. I would love to go. Just let me know when. And he wrote back a couple of days later and said, how about October? <laughs> and I was bored. You know, I didn't think it would go anywhere. But but just through that opportunity, then I went back this summer and I met uh, Vaclav uh, Molak from you know, principal trumpet with the, the Krakow Philharmonic in Poland. I would never have met him. I got to finally meet Richard Stovall. I spent some time with Jason Bergman, who had I've known, but really haven't had a time, a chance to, to visit with. You know, so, you know, that one thank you note has opened so many doors, and led to more relationships, and, and that's what being a professional and and really building on what you have, I think, is dependent on, is the relationships you have, the people you know, and, and the people you can collaborate with. What have you? What if you had not? acted on that right i mean what none of that yeah. would have happened that missed opportunity uh one right, right after the other uh-huh. and missed yeah. connections uh and who knows um uh, if any of that would have happened uh what mm. kind of experience those those students would have had or not had uh mm-hmm. yeah it's just well it's a what if i mean everything happened and yeah. and the positive effects you know i think that's a great that's a great lesson right there um to do it you know and uh-huh. um and how long did it take to send that email right 5 minutes <laughs> so right five, you know, 5 minutes and was it inconvenient you know and i think you know i'm thinking about myself uh, this is a great lesson yeah. for myself I mean, it's not a lesson for my students it's for myself it's a reminder for me you know yeah. uh, actually follow up on things who knows what kind of doors are going to open right yeah follow up on things and show gratitude say thank you it makes you know it showing gratitude helps us uh but it it's also really nice has anyone ever sent you a thank you note? You know, yes, I'm sure people send you thank you notes. I saw one on Instagram, you know, from Sarah Stoneback thanking you for the opportunity to Oh, wasn't that nice? Podcast. Wasn't that nice? Oh, it was so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and so keeping in touch with people and, and saying thank you is so important and telling people you appreciate them is so important. Well, you know, you mentioned that. Uh, actually, I, I had posted uh, 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 on Instagram yesterday. I had posted, uh, well, I forget whose interview, but there's a student I had had oh, about 10 years ago who commented, and he is now working for a modeling agency. And he said, uh, this is in a nutshell, but basically, you know, I knew I was never going to be a professional trumpet player, but I just wanted to let you know, I always enjoyed 
the lessons we had together. I thought you were a terrific teacher, and um, the, those Aww. lessons were always so meaningful to me. And ah. I thought, man, that that was that made my day right there. Isn't that great? You know, and yeah, you know, it, I I think that was as good as somebody emailing me and telling me, hey, I just won the job with the New York Philharmonic. You know, right? <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. Um, boy, that mm-hmm. just it, that was all kind of warm fuzzies right there. So. It, it really is. Somebody said, "Hey, you made a difference in my life." Yeah. Thank you. Great. So, and you know, I I followed up. I I messaged him back. Turns out, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's still right here in town, and he offered to buy me lunch. So I'm gonna I got to take him up on that. <laughs> you, <laughs> you do. Know? You yeah. do. So, yeah, um, those connections are important. Yeah. Welcome to the middle of the episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you with the support of Messina Covers. They offer some standard and custom designs of trumpet bags, mouthpiece pouches, and more. And their customer service is excellent. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And now, back to the interview. So, you know, people call it networking. And I decided uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I don't like the word networking. It sounds too business-like. So I decided to yeah. call it making friends. I, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, so like yeah. ITG, yeah. I go to make friends. I don't go to network. I go to make friends. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's it, all about the hang. It, it is. is. You yeah. know, and how easy is it to, to show up somewhere uh, like we did in Miami? And uh, uh-huh. um, well, uh, like I met you um, it was that Friday night concert where mm-hmm. you were on stage. I forget what announcement you made. You were, you were doing something, but then you came down and you happened to, you didn't know me yet, but you sat down right behind me just as Sergey uh, was starting to play and <laughs> the, you know, he started to play and everybody just was going nuts. And he went for five minutes going all over the place without taking a, well, with circular breathing. It, yeah, yeah. It, it and, was, and I reached up and I grabbed your arm. Didn't yeah, I? yeah, because I we were who you were. We were all we were all <laughs> chuckling like, "Oh my gosh, this is the most incredible oh thing God. we'd ever seen," you know. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, I, I think we chatted briefly after that. And anyways, uh-huh. um, you know, I, I forget how I, I got you to agree to an interview after that, but um, you know, everybody is well. That was a pretty incredible. ITG, I thought, yeah. just because of where the atrium was, um, everybody kind of crossed paths yes. uh, there uh, yeah. next to that squeaky escalator, right. uh, if you remember yeah. that. And it, everybody came through, and it was just a great place to to say hey and meet. Uh, you know, all the big mm-hmm. names were right there making themselves available and um that was that yeah. was that was a great hang. You know, I'm kind of looking forward to that happening again uh, at the next one. So yeah, I spent many hours in that atrium. Many. I did too. You know, yeah. I I got you know mm-hmm. I got 14 interviews done uh, that week. I I think uh, if if I had done any more, people might have thought I was uh, a stalking uh, <laughs> at that point. Got 14. That's great. You know, I'm I'm going to be driving to Texas Tech every other week for, for all of this semester and Tech is like, it's like a five hour drive. Um 
and but I'm I'm going to go back and finish my doctorate, which is very exciting. Ooh, so I will be listening. Uh, thank you. I'll be listening to your podcast for all of these drives. Oh, I'm terrific! And I and I look forward to that because if this this is what we need just to know each other and and learn from each other. So I'm looking forward to listening to all these. Well, it's been yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, I need to ask you, and usually I, I've been good about asking everybody at the front end of the interviews, um, with Studio HFL, Nancy, mm-hmm. what does the HFL stand for? Um, let's see. Uh, high-functioning, loud people. <laughs> yeah. No, I have no idea. Well, it's higher, faster, louder, right? I mean, you get a thing oh! like a trumpet player. Yeah. There you go. So high, that's good. Functioning loud players. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go okay. back through all the interviews and glean uh, everybody's responses uh, uh-huh. for this. There, there have been some pretty funny, uh, pretty funny ones, and some that have <laughs> couldn't couldn't be any further off base. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some some get it, and and some some don't. But um, yeah, so oh, one of the really cool things that I learned about you in our in our first interview was uh, one of the uh, non-trumpet. Well, uh, it maybe did come about as as being a musician, but you do some uh, physical therapy work. I am an occupational therapist. Occupational therapy. Yeah. Tell me a yeah. little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, years ago, I moved back to El Paso uh, and went to school to get a master's in occupational therapy. This is the very same semester I started teaching here at UTEP, so I guess it was 11 years ago. I, I got a degree in occupational therapy where um, in OT you learn all kinds of medical school stuff. You learn anatomy, neurology, and physiology, but then also uh, you learn a lot about the process of learning and activity modification and biomechanics and meaningful activity. And what ocu- what occupational therapy is about is it's, it's a rehabilitative therapy um, based on where the goals are based on things that occupy a person's time, like getting dressed occupies their time, right? So um, if somebody has an issue with their shoulder, it impacts their ability to do things like get dressed, bathe themselves, feed themselves. So um, anyway, that's what an OT does. I, I do a lot of shoulder therapy, hand therapy, um, some walking, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you had helped uh, some of your fellow musicians back in uh, the Marine Corps, or you had gone back to help some of them. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so while I was while I was still in school for occupational therapy, I learned that that I knew things that could help musicians. That I, I I knew why a violinist's shoulder was hurting or a clarinet player's wrist was hurting, um, or why somebody's head was hurting, and and it was because of all the things I learned with anatomy, physiology, and biomechanics. So I started working with musicians way back when I was still in school. Um, just on think you know better use of the body and things that they could do to help them play without pain and um so yes i've I've gone to the marine band several times and worked with the 
with the musicians there. I've worked with the Air Force Band. I've given clinics at Midwest. I've given, given clinics lots of places. And I wrote a book uh, called Teaching Healthy Musicianship, The Music Educator's Guide for Injury Prevention and Wellness. And it's published by Oxford University Press. It's available online. It's like 30 bucks. But it's a book um, written for music educators uh, because because uh, healthy musicianship is not always, not yet, in the curriculum for music education. They need to understand how to protect their voice, how to protect their back and their knees and their hearing. My gosh, their hearing. So I write about all these things. And then I also write about um, instrument playing position and playing habits and marching band and and all these different things in this book um, to help musicians lead longer, painless careers. You know, talking about this now, I find that really odd that that's Hmm. not part of the curriculum. That's not part of... The yeah. some education process uh, yeah. at some point through there that there's it, it's almost it's a reactive tricky. it's a reactive thing rather than a proactive thing you know it's right you're waiting for somebody to <laughs> run into the door uh, right rather than exactly. turn you know, uh, uh-huh. you know where where would this where does this belong you know does this belong in uh, some sort of freshman seminar uh, or does this belong in you know, some sort of music education curriculum or uh, an, an applied yeah, studio? Think, uh, we're... Well, you know, it, I've I've worked on getting it in music education curriculum. Um, the problem with so many schools is that, like in Texas, I think a degree can't be any more than, what, 120 credit hours, which is why we have a three-hour piano class for one credit hour. You know, so we're just cramming so much stuff into a music education degree that adding a course on healthy musicianship, they're not going to, they're really reluctant to do it. But I would like for them to have, you know, a one-week seminar on healthy musicianship, probably late in the, like, before student teaching. Or it also makes a great continuing education seminar. But, but music educators need to know how to protect their hearing. Nobody can hear after 20 years. Everybody's ears are ringing. And, and, you know, band directors who also teach band are at the highest risk of, of hearing damage and hearing loss. And these are serious things. It's, you know, you can replace your teeth if they fall out. You can't replace your hearing. You can repair it if you catch it early enough. Um, you can wear a hearing aid, but a lot of band directors won't do that because of the stigma. And, uh, you know, hearing is really important, and there's so many places in the music room where you can, you know, things can fall on you, or you can throw your back out pushing a piano. Um, so this, this healthy musicianship thing is is very important, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, remind me, uh, we talked about this briefly, and I can't remember the um, if it's about posture or efficiency. There's a oh, oh about. Alexander? Yes, thank you. I always draw a blank yeah. when it comes to the Alexander technique. Is that part of, or can that be tied yeah. into what you do? Alexander technique is is all about um, being aware and 
and having good use of the body. It's about using the body in the way that the, to where the skeleton supports you, to where the skeleton supports itself rather than the muscles having to pull the body different places. So it's, it's about good use of the body, which is absolutely what, what I do. I'm not Alexander trained. I've taken a few lessons and I've done a lot of, of research in Alexander technique and I love it. Um, it makes a huge difference and I, and I use that at every opportunity. But I also use things in a more, sometimes I think, you know, we need to get a faster result. So I'll simplify things. Um, I'll simplify things and say, you know, put your ears over your shoulders. Great. Okay. Just, did you just do it? Ears over shoulders, shoulders over hips, <laughs> hips over knees, knees I've over heels. Up, Boom. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You feel yeah, great. Yeah. Now, now bring your instrument to you. Great. Okay, you can call that Alexander technique or you can call it good posture or whatever you want, but but it's um Alexander is like way farther than what I talk about in the book. But I do definitely use some of the principles mm-hmm. of awareness, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your playing. Uh okay. like uh what kind of orchestral Stuff you've got coming up, or solo work, or recitals, anything like that. What's uh, what's on your radar right now? Well, I I just scheduled my first doctoral recital at Tech on November third. I'm excited to do that. I don't know where I'll play on it, but oh my um, gosh, you you scheduled it and you you don't even have rep yet. No, oh my I'm gosh. really old. I have no, a lot of rep in that's, my pocket. But no, that's you and I are, are kind of in that same boat. I think that's that's brilliant. I think that's we live for that pressure, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, I'll play stuff. I, I don't yeah, know. I'll play stuff. Okay, I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I I I like the Halsey Stevens. I'll probably play some Halsey Stevens. I'll play some Fosh. You know, a piece that I've just started playing. Um, is is um, Libby Larson's what's it called Ridge Runner? I like that. I think that's a great piece. Um, so I'm not sure what else, but I just picked up some. I picked up three volumes of traditional, or three volumes of of yeah traditional Chinese music. So that's going to be interesting. Maybe I'll play something there. Mm-hmm. So and but then the orchestra is is doing a lot this year. This is my first year as principal trumpet with the El Paso Symphony, and we're playing the Abbas show on Saturday. Oh, That's fun! Exciting. Yeah. Ooh. And uh, and then we're starting the season with um, Handel's fireworks music. We have we have an all John Williams concert in November. That'll be fun. Um, so I've got I've got I've got some good playing challenges laid out in front of me, and I'm excited about that. I mean, I've played trumpet for 45 years, and it is still like the coolest thing I've ever done. I still love it. I think it's so much fun. I feel better on days when I have a chance to play a lot. I still think you know, on stage is the best seat in the house. It's just. A joy. I love playing. You know, some people think it's weird. When when I do uh, uh, master classes, I go to a high school or something and do, and and some kid will ask, "Hey, where's your favorite place to play?" 
and I'll say uh, right here, right now. And, and, you know, they think, yeah, right, whatever. I said, no, it's the truth. Uh It's, you know, wherever I get to open up my case and take my horn out, um, Uh that's my favorite place to play, which is the truth. Um, I mean, we get, are you kidding? We get to do what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not the easiest thing every day. And uh, I love what Doc says, you know, the, the trumpet is a jealous mistress. I, I love how he says that, you know, if, if you don't pay enough attention uh, to it, you know, she, you, you get what you, you put into it, but um, you know, uh, that might not be the best analogy, but, 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 it's, but it works. Yeah. Um, but it works. That, that makes complete sense. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think, I, I'm right there with you, though. You know, any any day that you get to take the horn out of the case and do what we mm-hmm. do is just, oh, my gosh. I, I don't think I could trade it or would trade it for anything. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, so really um, you're going to – do you say Texas Tech is where you're headed for your doctorate? Uh-huh. And who are you going to yeah. be studying with there? Uh, Andy Stetson. And doing it in performance? And. At DMA, DMA, yeah. In performance. Yeah, Very cool. Performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how long do you think it's going to take you? <laughs> you know, I, I did... On the 12-year doctoral plan? Right. Well, I did 56 credits at CCM years ago, back when I was teaching at Wright State. I did a lot of work towards a doctorate then. But then I stalled when I hit the language and the keyboard proficiency. Keyboard proficiency was intense. There's no way I was going to do it, so I just stopped. And I just stopped. I didn't think it was that big a deal. And now, I mean, I'm 54, um, but you're never too old. I it's it's unfinished business. I've always wanted to finish the doctorate, so now I'm doing it. But because I've done so much of it, um, they've said that it'll it's maybe Two years of part, two years and a summer, maybe. They, no kidding. They don't have a dissertation. It's a, it's a fourth recital. It's a lecture recital. And um, yeah, it's very doable. It's very doable. I, I just got a new car, which is good because I'm going to put a ton of miles on it. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> Five but, hours, but, I think you said, right? <laughs> right. But they're willing to work with me, which is fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm excited for you. That's fantastic. You know, it's it's something that I can... I've always regretted not finishing it. But there, here's one that I can, I can do something about. I can change that. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, Plus, I love school. It's interesting that you that you say that. I'm I'm 53, and uh, just this morning, uh, I picked my mother-in-law up and took her to a doctor's appointment. And on the way, she was asking me about my doctoral work, which I did a year of. And uh-huh. she said, "Are you ever going to finish?" And I said, "Oh, I don't think I'll ever go back." And here we are, having this conversation are. right now, and I'm thinking, "Yep." Oh no! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Larry. Is this? You can do it. Oh no! Yeah. I, I I don't know. Is this? Was this? Uh, was that foreshadowing? Was that conversation? Maybe. May it may be. I don't know. Maybe. You know, yeah. it, it's it, 
is it just a piece of paper that we're chasing is, or is it, is it really worth, you know, is, is it really valuable? It is to me. It is to me because I want to finish something I started. I also love school. And I love it when people call me Dr. Taylor and I hate to say, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I want to be in that club. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember you say you love school and I remember that year of coursework that I did and I, mm-hmm. I did, I loved sitting in those classes. I, I was soaking it up, yeah. you know, and especially yeah. because you're older and you're going back to school and you're not afraid to ask questions and you're engaged, right? You're right. Yeah. And I think what a difference from being, you know, 20 or 30 years younger and just kind of uh, maybe thinking <laughs> you'd rather be elsewhere. You'd rather be practicing something. Yes, but going, you know, when I went back to school for occupational therapy, I was 43. And I was in class with kids who were 23. And, oh, the teacher would say, can anyone but Nancy answer this question? <laughs> right. I'd like to hear from anyone but Nancy. Like, Nancy, shut up. Because, you know, we're so engaged and so curious. And it's just, the older you are, the the, maybe that is it. Maybe you're just more confident saying, I don't know, you know, and asking questions. But, um, but, you know, going back to sit in a music history class after you've played a bunch of this music is is pretty exciting. That's pretty, yeah, I'm looking forward to music history and, and I'm looking forward to working with Andy Stetson and and learning new literature and new um, teaching pedagogies. It's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Well. Um, oh, and you know what else is really cool? What is cool? Is that my students are saying, what? You're doing that? Why? And then I explain all of this stuff. And they think it's awesome. So that I'm inspiring a young generation to keep getting their education, you know, to keep going is is exciting. I I like that part of it too. So, um, what are your responsibilities there at uh, at UTEP? I am well. I teach trumpet for a while. I taught um, the oh, for a while I taught jazz to rock. I taught music appreciation for a while, and then I taught the uh, instrumental secondary brass methods. So I've taught taught brass methods for many, many years, trombone, trumpet, and all that. So, But I'm not doing that now. I'm just teaching trumpet, and I got a little bit of a a little break in my workload because I'm going back to school. So that's nice. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm just adjunct where uh, I teach at University of Indianapolis. And mm-hmm. when I first, I don't teach it anymore, but when I first started, they had me doing uh, brass tech. And I yeah. taught it for a couple couple of semesters. And uh, in the first week, I taught breathing. And oh. in, in my evaluation at the end of the semester, I got trashed by a couple of students. I mean, they, you know, and there were comments a number of years ago. There were comments like, uh, I can't believe, you know, we wasted an entire week talking about breathing. And and I thought, you know, now they've, they've long since graduated and they've become band directors. And I would like to go back and ask them, um, you know, do you think now that maybe uh, breathing was a valuable 
thing to discuss right? <laughs> in brass tech. You know, that's crazy. I have a thing about about teacher evaluation. Like, who are they to evaluate your teaching? Right? I know, right? You know, the question, there's always the question of, oh, what was your, gosh, what was your interest in this course? Something like that. Or, you know, at, at the end, I, I, I just think they should put, um, okay, what grade did you get? And how was your attendance? That's what should be on those, on those uh, evaluations. Yeah, because who is that person to evaluate your... Mm, yeah, I could go on about that. Oh, I think we all could. <laughs> I think we uh-huh. all could. Yeah, it's, it's, and, and did you yeah, read the syllabus? Stupid. And and could you even find right. the syllabus? Right. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so some things never change, you know. I mean, we, right. Yeah. So... Well, you know, this has been a delight. I'm I'm so glad that you agreed to redo this, and uh, it's, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you at again again at another trumpet event or non-trumpet event. And uh, yes, um, I wish you the best for this upcoming school year. And um, oh my gosh, I'm just I'm thrilled for everything that's going on for you. And uh, thank you. And for good grades uh, <laughs> for you and your students. <laughs> So, um, anything you'd like to offer uh, before we wrap up here? Um, I mean, you've already said some really, great things. Oh, thanks. You know, I really appreciate that, that you're doing. I really appreciate the work that you do. You're sharing. Oh, you. uh, you're helping us share information. And you're helping us get to know each other better, even when we don't know each other. I've met people whose podcasts I've listened to, and that's a great starting point for conversation. So. Yeah. I hope Jason yeah, Bergman was one of those. Yes. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. What a nice guy, too. Yeah. yeah. Jason's great. Yeah. Great fun. So, okay. Well, what a treat. Well, thanks um, so much. You bet. Thanks, and um, I'll see you soon, Hope. All right. All right. Take care. Take Bye-bye. Care. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues, and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you, too, can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com studiohfl. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.